Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. Enjoy the message. I have a little bit of a a preview for you today. We're ending this series, The Lyrics of Christmas, today. And then next week, we're going to embark on a new series for the new year, and it's called Future Hope. Okay, so I want you guys to be here for this Future Hope. We're putting a, a bookend on 2020, and we're jumping into 2021. And I'm telling you, I have high expectations for what God is going to do. You know what? When you get um, our annual church business meeting is coming up at the end of, of January. And when you, I was looking through it with the board the other day. When you look at what God did in our church in the middle of a pandemic and one of the weirdest years on calendar, God has done some incredible things. You have to look back a little bit and say, well, that was nice. That wasn't so bad. I, I don't, you know, we can get so tied up in what we don't like and what frustrates us that we forget the blessings that God has given. So that's going to be coming up. We'll get you more information about that in the next uh, couple of days, weeks to, to come. But this is our series of future hope, pain, redemption, and beauty in the book of Isaiah. So we're going to be studying through the book of Isaiah, okay? And it is, it's, it's, it's getting me excited, okay? So if I get excited, you better too. Week four of this series. On November 18, 1995, the Israeli master violinist Itzhak, I gotta get the name right, Itzhak Perlman played before an eager audience at New York's Lincoln Center. But within seconds of beginning, it was clear that the maestro was in trouble. Just as he finished the first stanza, a string on Perlman's violin snapped. To everyone's surprise, Perlman paused for a moment closed his eyes, and then signaled the conductor to begin again. The orchestra uh, recommenced, and he joined them where he'd left off. He played with passion and purity, modulating, changing, returning, and recomposing the piece on the spot to render what was lost by the broken string. When he finished, the audience exploded to its feet. They knew that the feet that they had just seen was amazing. Perlman raised his bow to quiet the audience and then said, not boastfully, but in a quiet, reverent tone, you know, sometimes it is the artist's task to find out how much music he can still make with what he's got left. I like that. I like that a lot. Lord, I pray right now that you would help us to to see the power of this song that we're going to study today. Lord, I pray that you would enlighten our hearts. Lord, it's not about what we don't have. It's about what we do have. So Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. The big idea of this message is whether you are young or old, rich or poor, you have an opportunity to praise God with everything you have. Keyword being, have. 
You can't give what you don't have. But what you do have can make some amazing music. The story of Christmas is a story of rich and poor, old and young, shepherds and wise men, sinners and saints, all discovering what it looks like to worship the king with whatever they have, finding out how much music they can still make with what they have left. I, I, I read that, that uh, little story, and I was like, oh, it just like hit me. We focus on what we don't have. Do you realize that? Now, I don't know about you, but I have broken a string. And it just shows that I am not a true artist. Because instead of sounding like beauty, it's like, you know, this guy was such an artist that he was able to play it better than if he had all of his strings. I want to learn to do that. Today we're going to be talking about Simeon's song. There's two people in this particular passage following the narrative of the birth of Jesus Christ that don't have a lot left. They're both older. They've both been waiting in anticipation for what God would do. But what, with what they had left, they gave it all to Jesus. Open up to Luke chapter 2. We're still in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to read Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 22. So while you're getting there, we're going to... We've been, we've been in Luke chapter 2 a lot this month because there's a lot there to talk about. All right, here we go. 22. Then, this is following the birth of Jesus, it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must dedicate to the Lord, be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required by the law of the Lord, either a, po- a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Stop. It's not about what you don't have. It's about what you have. Now, this, particular indi- this, this passage indicates that Mary and Joseph were very poor because there are other sacrifices prescribed by the law if you can afford them. But the very least that you would bring was two turtle doves or two pigeons. That was like the poorest level. But remember what I said. It's not about what you have, what you don't have, I should say. It's about what you have. What they had, they gave to the Lord in accordance with the law, right? All right, keep going, 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God Singing. That's not what it says. It says saying. But we're going we're gonna. <laughs> to. So here's the deal. This guy. Well, I should say, we've we got to look at the scripture the way it is. There is no indication that Simeon is ancient. We always depict him as being ancient because the God says that 
he wasn't going to die until he had seen, he may be like 12, I don't know, but <laughs> it doesn't say his actual age. The only thing it does say is that he will not die until he has seen the Lord's Messiah. We assume he is elderly because we figure he can, at, in his song he indicates that it's, I'm good to go now. So I think it's a fair assumption. So we're going to go with that premise that he's on the older side. But this is his statement. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. So, what did Mary bring? They brought what they had. And in bringing what they had, they were blessed by this prophecy. Now, Mary is still, it sounds like Mary is still working all this stuff out inside of her. She's still trying to figure it out. And we kind of, well, didn't she read the end of the book? No! She didn't read the end of the book. It wasn't written. They were writing it at the moment. We got to read the Bible like you never read the Bible, right? So she's still not quite understanding. And this wasn't a long, drawn-out meeting that she had with the angel. Right? It's not like they sat down and they discussed what the future was going to hold. You know, you're going to have this much money for retirement. No, they didn't do that. She just had to go on faith. And she was trying to figure this whole thing out. Because I'm telling you right now, the birth of Jesus Christ did not fit the contemporary narrative of what the Messiah would be. How many people have read at least one of the Left Behind series of books? Just one, at least one. Okay. I read them all. And I think we do the same thing sometimes. I think we sure up our understanding of things that are very, very hard to understand. And if things don't happen the way we think they should happen, they're not real. Or they're not God. Sometimes I read these end time prophecy things and I'm kind of like, but what if it doesn't come exactly the way, you know, Tim LaHaye said it was going to happen? <laughs> Am I gonna, I don't want to be so lockstep into a way of thinking that I miss it. Because I'm telling you, these people were looking. The, the, the religious leaders of the time, they were looking. They weren't sitting. They knew the Bible in and out. And they didn't see it come. Their focus was on something else. Where is our focus? We have got to be careful that we don't focus on what we don't have, but we focus on what we do have. In the time that we're given right here, right now, what are we doing with it? How are we living in the church, in the, in the, in the world in which we have been given? The time period. Because I'm all about listen, reading about prophecy, and all, that's, that's all great. But listen, I want to know what I need to do now, first and foremost. How am I supposed to live this life now so when that day comes, I don't miss it? We got to deal with what we have, not what we don't have. So Simeon says this amazing thing, verse 33. Jesus' parents were amazed at what he was being said about him, what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. 
wait a minute. And many others will uh, to rise. Oh, okay, that's better. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your very soul. Oh, he's going to come and cause many to fall and many to rise. Interestingly enough, as we get into today's different stories, we're going to see that the ones who rise are not the ones that were supposed to rise. And the ones who fall are not the ones who were supposed to fall. Verse 36. And then there's another woman, another woman who has come. Now, here's an interesting thing. She is the least of the least. Let me just explain why. First off, she is advanced in age. She's not married. She has no children. She's basically, to that period of time, kind of a... a um, a draw on society. She's not, she doesn't bring a whole lot of value, right? But she dedicates everything that she has to God. Let's read it. Ready? Anna, a prophet who was, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phineal from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 80 Four. She, she never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. Interestingly enough, as I researched this, there was a group of women who lived in the temple complex. They were widows, and they did a lot of the menial labor of the temple that the priests didn't do. They did a lot of the cleaning. A lot of, they, they were basically what we would consider caretakers of the temple. And there was like a little troop of them, of these women who were somewhat cast out, but, not, but, but, but were holy. I didn't know that until I researched it, but that's pretty interesting stuff. Okay? She, was, she dedicated herself along with her sisters to fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. She began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Think about these two people. They say that a song or composition hits its crescendo when it reaches its highest point. When it reaches its highest point, the music swells and the crescendo. Remember, Jay? Remember a choir? When I would get all excited and I'd be like, come on, bring it! Jason was in my, my student choir back in, when we were teaching. I knew, you know, you got to bring a swell, swell, swell. Come on, bring it up, bring it up. And then the, mm. Has anybody ever seen the Hallelujah Chorus, like, performed? Handel's Messiah. Anybody seen Handel's Messiah perform? We saw it performed in, at the Philadelphia Symphony when I was in college. And, man, that'll blow your socks off. We all left with no socks on. It was crazy. A little sock donation at the end. Um. The crescendo, when it reaches the highest point, our lives should hit their crescendo in Jesus. Just like Simeon and Anna. Their lives 
crescendo to that moment. Jesus is the highest point. No matter how many strings we have left to play, we have to remember that this is not about what we do, don't have, but what we do have. I want to give you a few stories today. This is not a complex message. This is just an encouragement to you today. To not, we live in a very commercial and, um, I would say, greedy society in many ways. And we often, uh, due to our social media habits, we often end up comparing ourselves to people. Stop. No, seriously, stop right now. It's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have. Let me tell you some stories. Luke chapter 7. One of the Pharisees, talk about the people who rise and fall because of Jesus, ready? One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city, that means she was a prostitute, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to uh, wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man was a prophet, he would know who or what sort of woman that is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. I've always wondered how he knew that. Anyway, um, Jesus answered, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them loved him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he was forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go. In peace. She entered that house an absolute mess. And she's going to leave in peace. Why? Why does the end so, why is the end so much different than the beginning? Because she gave a million dollars to the, the, the fund that Jesus was collecting. I'll Judas would have liked that. No, that's not what happened. She gave what she had. 
There's a contrast in this story. Simon is the Pharisee. He's very wealthy. He's very respected. He is the creme de la creme. Yet he misses it. He, he falls, right? He falls. And the woman, who is the sinner of all sinners, interestingly enough, the ointment that she pours on Jesus' feet is the very ointment she would use in her trade to make herself smell good. And she poured it all out. You know what that means? I'm done with this. I'm done with this life. I'm done with this. I give it all to you. A little flask. The particular ointment that she poured out is supposed to be used very, very sparingly. I mean, honestly, I've smelt it before. You touch that stuff, you put it on your, it'll fill the room. It's potent. She threw the whole thing down on Jesus' feet. That room must have been like, whoa, like walking by Yankee Candle. I can't handle Yankee Candle. My wife wants to go in there. I'm like, I'll stay out here. Thank you very much. I love how people go into Yankee Candle, and they're like, mm, you can't tell the difference. Are you kidding me? You, every candle, once you're in there, it's like assaulting your senses. You're tasting candle. Oh, that smells good. How do you know? Because the picture on the outside says it does. But this ointment is potent stuff, man. She poured it all. Everything that she used in her trade, her beautiful long hair, her eyes, her hands, her ointment, was laid at the feet of Jesus. It's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have. Bring it to God. Mark, 9, Mark 12. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two Small copper coins, which make a penny. Okay, we're talking two coins, like we don't even go less than a penny. In fact, they're thinking about not making pennies anymore. Did you know that? Because it takes more money to make a penny than a penny is worth. Did you know that? They're considering getting rid 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 of the penny because it costs more to make a penny than a penny is worth. This is basically the situation she's in. <laughs> she has a half a penny and a half a penny. Now, the historicity behind this event is pretty awesome. The offering boxes in the temple area were, was like a courtyard, and they had these boxes that were, were fastened into the stone of the temple itself. And they were made out of copper. Or bron- I think bronze, I'm sorry, bronze. They're made out of bronze. And what would happen is the rich would come, and they wouldn't just, like, drop a bag of coins in there. They'd do this, you know, like Scrooge McDuck. They'd take it out, and, and it would make a noise. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Like Sonic the Hedgehog. Ding, 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 ding. 
And it, it, would, it would just make a, it would make a noise, and it would basically show that these people were giving so much. And it was a common thing for people to sit in the courtyard and, and use that place and watch people do their thing. You see this in, in a lot of Jesus' teachings. A lot of, a lot of the religious practices were done for show. And he kind of criticized. He, he, those people fell in Jesus' eyes. He said, don't, don't go out on the, the street corner. They actually had pedestals around town. Or you could, like a soapbox type of thing, where you could get up and you could pray at certain times of day and loud and boisterous, and you would use special words and you would put the thing over your head just right and your tassels would be long and all this stuff. And then you proclaim prayers to God for all those sinful people you were standing in front of. She said, don't do that. For heaven's sakes, don't do that. <laughs> when you pray, go find a closet where no one's going to see you. Make your prayers to God alone, and you'll get the reward that God wants to give. Those people on the corner, they got the reward. Those people who plinked, plinked, plinked all those coins, the gold into those, they got the reward. This little, this little lady comes up, probably not very well dressed, and all you hear is, tink, 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 and she has to walk away. All she's got to give. There's no... There's no encore to that. That's it. What does Jesus say about that? He called his disciples over and he said, guys, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. See that lady over there? Not you. Everybody look at Sadie real quick. Everybody look at her. Yeah. For someone who likes to stand on the stage, she's very shy. Um, guys, come here. Come here, I want to show you something. See that? See that lady over there? See that? This poor widow has put in more than all those who contributed in the offering box. And they're going, good thing Jesus is not taking care of the money because his accounting skills ain't so good. Judas, keep that bag. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about, Jesus? 44. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. It's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have. And are you willing to give that to God? That woman rose in God's kingdom that day. And all the other ones fell. It's not about what you don't have. Luke 19, 1 through 10. And he entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have. Small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. Zacchaeus, hurry, come on down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be in that guest of that man who's a sinner. Oh, think about that statement. Think about that statement. 
he went to be a guest of that man who was a sinner. What does that statement say about the people who sang, or saying it? That they think that they're not. They don't need Jesus. Jesus should grace them with his presence because they are so holy. I mean, that's what it says. I mean, that's what it says. Why did he go to that place? They're sinners when he could come to my house. Zacchaeus knew what he didn't have. But it wasn't about what he didn't have. It's about what he did have. Then hurry up, come on down. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone or anything, which means he did, (laughs) I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. We focus so much on what we don't have what we can't offer, and why we're not enough. Jesus just wants what you got. He actually loves what you have. He doesn't expect any more than what you have to offer. And when you give that, it blesses his heart. It blesses his heart. Luke 23, last story. One of the criminals who was hanging next to Jesus railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Talk about somebody who had nothing left. Just about every string on his violin was broken. He only had one string left to play, and he gave it to God. He stood up for him. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care if you're on your last leg or you're just starting the run. I don't care where you've been. I only care about where God wants to take you. And that's where God meets people. It doesn't matter where you've come from, what your history was, um, what the garbage that's in your past. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, young or old. It matters what Jesus can do with what you have left. Remember, in that story, you are not the artist. In that first story, the violinist story, you are not the artist. Jesus is. He will take what you got left and he will make sweet, sweet music with it. He will make it beautiful. We think we're the artist. Guess what? We're not. We're the broken string. We're the broken violin. We are the broken violin. He's the maestro. We're just a broken violin with a bunch of strings hanging off. He plays it 
and it sounds beautiful. Whatever you got left, if you give it to him, he will play it and make beautiful, beautiful music from it. It's not about what you don't have. It's about what you have. He will take it, and you won't believe what he'll be able to do with it. In the Bleak Midwinter by Christina Rossetti. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow. In the bleak midwinter, long ago. Our God, heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. In the bleak midwinter, a stable place sufficed. The Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Angels and archangels may have gathered there. Cherubim and seraphim thronged the air. But his mother only, in her maiden bliss, worshipped the beloved with a kiss. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. But what can I give him? Stop. When I was in preschool, we used to sing that song. Just the, just the, last, the last stanza, because the other ones were way too complicated for preschoolers. What shall I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. But what shall I give him? I'll give him my heart. And as a preschooler, I'm thinking, that's lame. No, I'm serious. I was like, I want to give a lamb. That would be way better. Wise man gave my heart. That's not very good. What my preschool mind could not understand is that it's not about what I don't have. It's about what I have. And to give your heart is the greatest gift ever. It's what Jesus gave to us, and it's what we can give. And it doesn't even matter. If I gave him a thousand treasures, yet I did not give him my heart, it would be worthless. Just like those people at the temple, plinking away. Plink, plink, plink. If I was intelligent in theology and science and all these things, and I could, I could do all these wonderful things like Simon, the Pharisee, yet I didn't give him my heart, it would be meaningless. I'd fall in the eyes of God. If I could give him all the wealth of Zacchaeus, Yet it was ill-gotten gain, and I didn't give him my heart. What's the point? It doesn't matter what you don't have. It matters what you have. If we give him the thing that he wants most, and everybody can do that, then we will rise with him. Do you see that? We will rise. So, Yet what can I give him? 
I'll give him my heart. Because that's really all he wants anyway. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. We have got to stop looking at what we think God might want from us. Well, I'm not, you know, I don't have any gifts. I can't play the keyboard. I don't know how to play the bass. I don't, I, I can't sing. I can't do that stuff. What can I, I I'm, not, I'm not valuable in a church. See this book here? Look how big it is. How many pages are there? Let's look. 1,936 pages. Is that just in the New Testament? Yeah. No. That's the whole thing. When I was young, I've read this book multiple times. I've read a lot of books about it. When I was in fifth grade, I had a severe learning disability. I had a hard time reading. And my poor parents struggled so hard. And I got this complex that I would never amount to anything. And then God called me into the ministry. I'm like, God, you know there's a lot of reading in that, right? I, I could do the talking part. I have no problem being in front of people, but you know I hate to study. Change it all. I probably read four books at a time now. Different genres, different mediums. I, I don't know where it came from. It wasn't me. It had to be God. When you give him what he wants, he can take your broken strings, bypass them, and make something beautiful out of it. In fact, many of the things that God will do in your life will be done in spite of your broken strings. Some of the best people to talk to others about substance abuse are those who've had victory over substance abuse. Broken strings. Some of the best people to counsel in marriage are those who struggled through a tough marriage and have been victorious. Broken strings. Sometimes the best educators out there are those who struggled in school. My parents were educators their entire lives. Taught multiple grades, multiple. I come from a family of teachers. And my dad said, and my dad has said this in the past, the worst teachers are the smart ones. The worst teachers are the smart ones. Let me just explain that. The worst teachers are those who can't understand why so-and-so can't get it. It's so easy. What's your problem? And they get frustrated because they can't, the ones who struggled in the past know how to teach somebody how to overcome broken strings. I don't know what your broken strings are today, but God doesn't care what you don't have. He cares about what you do have. And you bring that to him, and he will make 
some amazing music. Amen? Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, as we enter into a new year, God, I pray that all the broken strings of 2020 we'd put behind us. And there are lots of them. Lord, I pray that we would give you what we have, what we have left, that we would give it all to you, that we wouldn't hold anything back. And Lord, I pray that we would understand today that we are not the maestro. We are just broken instruments in the hands of the master. Lord, I pray right now that you help us to heal from the, the hurts of our past. Help us to know that it's those things don't keep us from you. Our feelings about those things, our shame, our bitterness, our frustration, our anger, our inadequacy, those are the things that will keep us from you. Help us to lay all those things down and give you whatever we have left to our fullest and uttermost. Lord, we praise you that you can take broken things and make them beautiful. Because that's what we are. We give ourselves to you today. We ask you to bless us as we move into a new year. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have an amazing week.